I'm so pumped to be here this morning. Welcome to Wellhouse Church. If this is your first time at Wellhouse, um, or maybe it's your first time to church in a long, long time, or maybe this is the, literally the first time you've ever walked into a church gathering, well, you know, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, in this community, it's a space where you can belong before you believe. It's a, it's a space that we encourage you to ask hard, tough questions. And so, no matter where you find yourself on the spiritual journey, I say this joke often, you know, I'm trying to get better at the dad jokes. I'm literally about to be a dad, so I'm like nervous, exciting, and those two feelings are constantly colliding together, which cause panic attacks. Y'all can pray for me. Um, but, you know, whether you literally it's your first time in church or you come in as an atheist or maybe you were born in the middle of a church service, like literally wherever you find yourself this morning, I want you to know that, that this, is a, this is a safe space. Man, Awaken, I'm so excited about Awaken. Just the fact that, um, that, that Wellhouse is one of over 500 churches that are participating in praying and fasting. Like, that's incredible, okay? I come from a tribe where it is literally the hardest thing ever to get two churches <laughs> to do anything together. And, and 500 churches are, are praying and fasting, and that's incredible. You know, I, I say this just because someone didn't grow up going to church um, if this is your first time coming, I want you to know that, that this, this gathering is, is going to be a little bit different than a typical gathering on a Sunday. Typical gathering on a Sunday, it's, it's very much of a um, preaching of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and then there's this invitation um, to follow him. There's this invitation from those that have been journeying with him for a while for us to go deeper, right? Right? Um, but this morning, it's going to feel more practical. It's going to feel more informational. And the reason being is we just want to set up this community to have a successful season of praying and fasting. And so here's just our outline of our time together this morning. I'm going to talk about what is prayer, what is fasting, why are we doing it, and then at the end, I'm going to open up the packet and I'm going to briefly walk you through it. Is everybody cool with that this morning? Let's pray, and then we'll jump into our time together. God, you're amazing. And um, I just, just even the fact that I have breath right now is borrowed breath. And I just pray, Lord, that with my borrowed breath, that you would use it to glorify your name. God, I pray that this bread, this word, that you would cut it up in 100 different ways and that you would begin to download it into all of our hearts, Lord. God, would you minister to us? Would you change us, God? Father, I pray, Lord, that if anything happens this morning, that it's a miraculous touch from heaven. I pray, Father, for the person that's come in for the first time that feels like they're too far gone, their story's too messy, that you would begin to just, just flood their heart with the goodness of Jesus to let them know that there's nowhere on the planet they can outrun the love of God. And I pray, Lord, this morning, my heart just asks, God, that you would increase the population of heaven, God, that someone would Say, I'm ready to follow Jesus. God, I pray that you would do that this morning. Lord, we love you. That's why we gather this morning. God, keep changing us, keep growing us, keep stretching us, keep molding us to be more like Jesus. And it's in Christ's name that we give thanks and we pray. Amen. So we're on age 18. I, uh, I decided this moment that um, there, there was a couple things I decided. The, the big one was I didn't want to be 6'1 and 110 pounds anymore. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm ready to single, uh, to, to mingle as a single. And, you know, same size head right now on a 110-pound body, um, age 18, it was kind of a struggle bus for me. So I decided at age 18, I'm like, I'm ready to get swole. My little motto is like, get swole, saving souls, 
go to the gym, throw a podcast in, you can join the team. So in my mind, I'm like, tired of being 6'1", tired of being 110 pounds. I want to look like The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. I'm like, I want to get ripped. So as you see, it all worked out, and I'm playing. But um, so I call the only person I know who, like, I wanted to look like. I mean, it is what it is. I call them, I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'm tired of being 6'1", 110 pounds. I, I want to get, I want to get fit. I want to get swole. You know, I want to get ripped. That's the, you know, the language I used when I was 18. Um, I'm not, you know, kids come up with crazy different words all the time. So I'm sure there's some other word for ripped now or swole or big or whatever. But I call them. I'm like, hey, like, will you take me to the gym and walk me and teach me and show me how to get um, in shape like you? So of course he's like, yeah. He's like, totally, dude. Let's do it. Now, I show up to the gym. 110 pounds, I'm ready to go. I, I, I wasn't one of those like, uh, I'm gonna show up to the gym and then like, you know, I'm not really gonna get full effort and passion and all that. Like, I'm like, I am in. I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna, no matter how hard this is, I'm like ready to go, okay? And then there was two things looking back that he did very poorly as someone who was discipling me in the ways of the gym. There was two things. The first one is he had no respect for where I was at physically, all right? And the second thing is he had totally forgotten that at one time he was exactly where I was. And so I show up to the gym. He instantly has me lifting heavier than I need to be lifting. He has me going at a pace that I don't need to be going at. He has me going harder than, than, than anyone should ever go hard your first time in the gym. I, I'm just telling you, that kind of makes me sound like I was being a sissy, but, but now that I'm older and I know what it looks like to disciple people and things that you're doing, and I got a couple uh, uh, friends who, who are, who are uh, trainers, and, and, and so even conversating with them this week, they're like, oh, I would never do that to someone. He literally runs me out of the gym, okay? And so the next day he calls me, He's like, Chris, what's up, bro? And, and I'm literally, I can't even lift up my arms. I mean, I'm, I'm on speakerphone with my phone by my hip. I'm like, what's up, man? Like, I literally couldn't even lift up my arms. And, and he's like, dude, you ready to go to the gym tomorrow? And I'm like, something I can't say in church? No. I'm like, no way. I'm going to show up to the gym tomorrow. And, of course, he followed that with, oh, you're a sissy. You know, that's how we do as men. We, like, bully each other. Like, you're not, you really didn't want it. You're not, you know, you're not, you're not trying to really get there. And the reality was I really did want to get there. The reality was I did want to put the effort in and the work in. But the truth was he had ran me out of the gym because he was trying to microwave my physical journey. He forgotten in that moment that what took him years to get to, he was trying to microwave me in one workout to get there and catch up with him. Now, maybe that's a bad illustration, but I share that illustration because I think there's some spiritual learning that we can do as a church. You see, what I've come to see in just the seven years of doing ministry is that the church quite oftentimes does a really bad job at balancing between, hey, this person is ready to do this, like, Okay, they're, they're ready, so we're going to push them to grow. And then there's the other side of us as leaders and as Christians going, hey, using discernment to go, I don't, I don't actually think you're ready for this. In my seven years of ministry, over and over again, I will see people come into the church, and they are ready to tackle the things of Jesus. God will sow a seed in them, and God is just hoping for Christians to come 
alongside them and walk with them and grow with them. But in a culture that microwaves everything, we have began to do that with discipleship. And I would argue this morning that discipleship is slow. That following Jesus is slow. Growing spiritually is slow. I've never seen a nine-year-old wake up after a a nap, and next thing you know, he's in a 26-year-old body. Growth. Growth is slow. And this morning, just hear my heart. What I don't want you to feel or hear this morning is we start to have a conversation about awakening, praying, and fasting. What I don't want you to feel in any way that in the Wellhouse community, we are trying to microwave your spiritual journey. What I don't want you to feel or hear is that in any way that the leaders of this church haven't discerned and prayed about whether or not to present this to you. We don't want to microwave your journey. We don't want to invite you into anything that you're not ready for. But in the same breath, I do want you to know that there's a, there's a bigness to this invitation this morning. That, that Jesus is inviting you and I no matter where we are on our spiritual journey, he, he is inviting us in to awaken a movement. And, and he, here's how we're going to do that. We're going to do it through prayer and fasting. What does it mean to awaken a movement? Language, we hear it. What, what does that even mean? The reality is we're sitting in a movement that was birthed 2,000 plus years ago. You know how it started? It started by some young and some old, some rich and some poor, some black and some white. All gathering in a room, 120 of them. Jews. And guess what they were doing? They were praying and fasting. And as they're praying and fasting, they're going, God, would you... Would you do something? Would you move in our day? Would, would, you, would, you, would, you, would you rescue the souls around us? Would you do something that the only way to explain how it happens is for your hand to have done it? And I just petition our hearts today. Do we believe that the God that did it then could do it again? Do we believe the God that moved then in such a way that in the days to follow, there was 3,000 people who gave their lives to Christ. Now, I baptize a lot of people, but that's the quickest way for a pastor to get arthritis. <laughs> you just, you're just baptizing people, flick of the wrist, flick of the wrist. I about slipped up here. Um, that would have been hilarious. Um, that, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I would have had to laugh at that one. Uh, but just think about that. Can God, who did it then, do it now? I believe that he can. Because the... Word of God teaches us that Jesus is the same yesterday as he is today as he is in the future. And so you go, what what does it mean to awaken a movement? God is wanting to awaken a movement through you and I in our families, across our dinner tables, in our nine to five, in our cubicles or in our coffee shops. He's wanting to awaken a movement through our kids on their playgrounds and in their classrooms. He's wanting to awaken a movement through you dropping off children as you wait in line in the carpool. God is wanting to awaken a movement. God is wanting to move. And God is inviting you and I in. And this morning, we have to go, okay, if God wants to awaken a movement, how is he going to do it? Well, he's going to do it when we as a community over the next 30 days begin to pray and fast. So what is prayer? 
What is fasting and why are we doing it? You know, if you ask me, hey, what is prayer? Prayer in the simplest form is just talking to God. It's as simple as a conversation. It's you and I saying, I mean, I'm giving you language to your prayer life. If this morning you come in, you go, I don't even know how to pray. Well, there's prayer guides in the packet. But this morning, just I'm just telling you, if we could fundamentally get this, praying, we, we try to overcomplicate it. You ever met someone who's like, what's up, man? Then they get up here and they lead a King James Version prayer. I'm like, that ain't how you talk. Lord, the thou be with me with you today. I'm like, that ain't you. <laughs> Come on, y'all know it's true. And then you're like, I can't go to that church. That church is fake. We got to stop putting filters on our prayers. Stop putting filters on our lives. Say that for Instagram. <laughs> prayer is a simple conversation with God. It's going, God, I love you. God, I need you. God, would you help me restore my marriage? God, help me to be a better husband. God, help me to be a better wife. Help me to be a better friend. Help me to be a better coworker. Help, God, would you please be with my friend's name, fill in the blank. They're going through fill in the blank. Going up to people who are going through hard seasons, whether they're sick or whatever, just with an expectation that God's going to heal. Putting hands on bellies and saying, God, just bring the cancer out. Looking foolish and we don't even care because God says we got to be people that pray. It's a simple conversation with God. And I use the word conversation on purpose. You know why? Because I don't believe in any way that it's a one-way conversation. Some of the worst dates I've ever been on is when the other person did all the talking. It's like you can't build a relationship that's one way. And I'm telling you, over the next 30 days, starting next Sunday, I want to challenge us in a way that's healthy to begin to create space in our life to hear from heaven. You know what I found, and I'm just telling you this is something as a pastor that it's so easy for me to do. It is so easy for me to come up with an idea and then ask God to bless it. It is so easy for me and my creative brain to go, oh, this is a good idea. I'm going to do this. And then guess what? God, would you bless it? God, would you bless it? Versus being a Christian who says, I want the divine strategy. And then once I receive the divine strategy, that's when I begin to move. We do it in our dating life. Oh, God, you know, you're into the dating. I really like this person. God, would you bless it? God, would you bless it? Instead of going, God, would you bring the right person? And as you're running for the Lord, you look to your left and, oh, wow, they're running too, so I'm going to start dating you. We got a generation right now, Christian, especially women and young men, they're running for the Lord, running for the Lord. Then they notice somebody who ain't running. And then they ask God to bless it. And then for a season, they'll come over here and they won't run anymore. And we need to be people that are leading them and say, hey, if you're running and they're not running, there's no wisdom in that. The Bible says there's no wisdom in that. We, 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 we got to be people who are, who are praying and asking God for a divine strategy. And once we get the divine strategy, we can begin to move in the direction of what God is calling us to. I want to share with you something. Uh, if I'm being honest, if we can wrap our minds around it, if we can chew on it, if we can eat it, if we can just digest it, if we can just come under it, I'm telling you, it'll change the way you pray. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to start reading in verse 14 through 16. It'll also be up on the screen behind, uh, in front of you. I want to read this together. In Hebrews chapter 4, start reading in, 
in verse 14. He says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. He says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses. Now, the great high priest that he's talking about is Jesus. He says, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Now, I'm just pushing back on the white American Jesus that we all grew up seeing on our grandparents' wall. But that Jesus is a little too clean cut for me. Because the Jesus that I read about the Bible, he was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted. That makes me uncomfortable in my American Christianity gut. I'm just telling you it does. That Jesus, that he was tempted. I'm like, no, 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 he was fully God. And typically I downplay that he was fully man. Have you ever thought when Jesus is in the garden, there's this moment where Jesus is in the garden Fully God, fully man. He's about to die. This is profound right here. Not because I'm saying it, because it's the word of God. He literally cries out, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass before me. Have you ever wondered why he asked for that cup to be removed? It's because he was human. Then he goes to his disciples, and we've always read this as Christians, as if he's bad-mouthing the disciples. Jesus walks over to the disciples, and he says to them, oh, you couldn't pray with me? Because they're asleep. And then he says something to them that's very profound. He says, the flesh is willing, but the, uh, the, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is, come on, uh, hey, come on. If the tight score a touchdown today, you'll lose your mind. If the flesh is weak, and the spirit is willing. willing. He's not bashing them. He's actually sharing with them something that he's currently experiencing. You see, his spirit is willing. He says, he says I want to do this, Father, but my flesh, he, he's overcoming. He says, if there's any other way, let this, let this cup pass before me. Fully man, fully God. Look back to the scripture. He says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize for our, with our weakness. He said, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, he says, let us, that's you and me, every person in this room, that's us. You go, Chris, I, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. God does. And he says, hey, you're still in the group. Let us, look, let us then approach God's throne of anger. No. Come on, that ain't what it says. Let us approach God's throne of wrath. That's not what it says. It says, let us approach, see if we can do better this time, God's throne of what? Grace. grace. God's throne of grace. God's throne of grace. He says, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You want to know that, that this might be the favorite? This, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. This might be my new favorite verse. I know you're not supposed to have one because all the Bible's supposed to be good, but I'm just telling you, this might be my new favorite verse. You know why it might be my new favorite verse? Because it's changed the way I think about prayer this week. You know, I will never apologize for teaching, teaching the Word of God. But the Hebrew writer is communicating to us, the reader, that there's a new covenant. And Jesus is the new high priest. And you and I no longer have to go to a man and tell a man that we sinned 
and then that man confess our sins to God. You don't find it in the word of God. You don't find it in the new covenant. And I'm never gonna apologize for teaching the truth. God says, because of Jesus, you and I, we have access. Meaning that if you're in the shower, you can pray. If you're riding down the road in the car, you can pray. When the baby in the back seat, which I'll probably get used to soon, is crying and you might feel like today's the day you go into heaven, you can pray. When your boss is in your face telling you all the ways you ain't no good and you're thinking two things. One, I might punch you in the face and two, I might just quit today. You can pray. We have full access to God. And we can talk to him all day. It's like Jesus paid the phone bill, man. Like unlimited data, like this is crazy. And if you and I can just wrap our minds around the fact that we have full access to God, it begins to change the way we pray. Do you know that that your access, and I think this is so important because the longer I do ministry, the longer I sit in living rooms, the more I sit in hospital rooms, the more I, I sit in counseling with married couples, the more I do life in coffee shops, the more I realize that we want so freaking bad to be able to earn our salvation. We want to be able to say, check the box, check the box, check the box. I got my uh, hell like insurance. I'm good. And God, he's inviting us into so much more. Me and you, we have access. And here's something we need to know. We have access to God. And our access to God has nothing to do with your spiritual resume. God's ear isn't more attentive because you fed the poor this past week. God's ear is not more attentive to you because you're just this amazing, incredible Christian. God's ear is attentive to those who talk to him. That's the word of God. That's not Chris Malone. And this morning, if you go, I don't even know what to say. I'm just saying, just, just tell him, say, God, I don't know what to say. Or if you don't know how to pray, just go, God, I need help praying. But this morning, I want you to know you have full access. There might be a lot of things I say up here that I wish would fall to the ground because I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. This is one I hope just hits you in your heart and I hope it literally changes the rest of your time on planet Earth. Every single person in this room has full access to God. And that's amazing. So what is prayer? Prayer is simply talking with God. You look um, to this idea of what is fasting? What is, what is fasting? You know, if, if I was to define fasting, and I'm sure you could find a lot better definition on Google, but the way I would define fasting is simply this. It's denying yourself physically so that you can go to greater depths spiritually. Denying yourself physically so that you can go to greater depths spiritually. Now, I know that we can all agree on this. I love food, okay? Like, I love food. I just got back from San Fran. I mean, it, 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 was, it was amazing, like, because all the food, not, I, I would never encourage people to go to San Fran. We can talk about that at a service. But um, I, I learned this past week, me and my wife, that we're beach people. Like, if there's not a beach involved, it's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a Debbie Downer. But anyways, I, I'm just, that ain't got nothing to do with the sermon. Okay, so, <clears throat> but I love food. I love food. And, uh, you know, growing up, 
you know, one of the games you play as a kid, they'll go, hey, if there's, if there's one food that you could eat for the rest of your life on an island, it's like, what would it be? For me, I never had to like wonder. I'm like, eat this Mexican food. <laughs> I'm like, give me the quesadillas and the chips and queso, and, uh, and then I'm, I'm on the beach getting tan. I'm like, I'm like, if I can get that three times a day, it's good. Like every Friday night, me and my wife and my, 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 my dad and stepmom, we go and have dinner at a Mexican restaurant. And, and our family goal is like to get seven chins just because of eating queso, okay? So we love food. I, I don't know how to express it anymore. We love food. Earlier this week, my wife's a bit big into Italian, okay? I know that the way to her heart, like if I'm trying to flirt with my wife, you know, some of you, 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 have, you know what your wife like. My wife loves Olive Garden, okay? I don't know why, but she loves Olive Garden. So we'll go to Olive Garden. It's like 20 bucks. You can get unlimited. We just literally grub, and then we go, and then just our belly is just hanging. She loves, she loves Italian. Well, this, this past week, we were in San Francisco for our baby moon. For those that don't know what that is, that's like the, a new millennial way of just spending money. Um, you, you go... <laughs> You go, I, I mean, I didn't know what it was until my wife told me. I'm like, what is a baby moon? It's like this trip you take when it's just, you know, the last trip that you take is just a couple. And I, you know what? I had a good time, so I guess I enjoyed the baby moon. But for those that don't know, it's a millennial thing. So we would go on a baby moon, and, and she likes Italian. So we go to this really expensive Italian place. I'm like, we're, we're literally spending our water bill to just eat here, okay? I'm kidding. But <clears throat> there's two times in my life, all right, two like one, two, where halfway through the meal, I thought, I might shed a tear because this, this food is amazing, okay? The first one was Moto downtown in Nashville. All right, you got to save up. I'm just letting you know, you got to save up. It's expensive. Only ate there once, and it's so expensive. That's the reason I haven't been back. But I ate there, and it was like amazing. But I'm eating this Italian uh, ravioli, and and I'm literally eating it. And, you know, when you're a married couple, this is something you do. It's like, you know, hey, especially when you're doing new food, they'll go, hey, do you want to try some of mine? And, and I'm going to be honest. I knew that if I tried some of hers that she was going to have some of mine. So I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to. Because I didn't want to share. I didn't want to share. I didn't want to share this amazing dish. I literally, it, it literally ran through my head. I'm like, should I go back to the kitchen and know the chef? Like, like, it was one of the best meals I've, I've ever had. But I love food. And, and as pastoring 101, you should probably never confess this, I hate fasting. Why? Because I love food. Fasting is my least favorite spiritual discipline. And yet, in the same breath, I would just confess that fasting is a space where I have gone deeper and farther with God than I ever thought I could. Fasting is the space where God did something so deep within me that the version on the other side of the 30 days when I became that person as God was molding me, I literally could look back and I couldn't even recognize that person. And so what is fasting? Fasting is denying ourselves physically so that you and I can go deeper spiritually. So here's four ways that you can fast. There's other ways that you can fast, but here's, here's four that you're going to find in your booklet, in your packet, and I just kind of wanted to go through those. The first one is a major fast, and that's just 24-hour fast or beyond a 24-hour period. We typically see this in Scripture with Jesus, Matthew 4. We see this in Acts chapter 9 when Paul goes from the ISIS of his day to a church planner. You heard me right. ISIS of his day was literally killing Christians because of his religion to being a church planner. 
The second one is a minor fast. That's going to be where you set a certain time period. And, you know, once again, I just want to just encourage you, like, if you can't do this, if you're restricted because of your health, that doesn't make you less spiritual. That doesn't make you less than. That doesn't mean that God's not pleased with you. It is what it is. Um, I, I just wanted to say that. I feel like I was supposed to say that. I feel like someone was feeling that, and I just wanted to free you from that. So major fast, 24 hours. Uh, a, a minor fast is going to be just a time period. And so that could be like sun up to sun down. That could be like something similar to intermediate fasting where you only eat eight hours a day. And then the third one is a partial fast where it's, it's typically where you say, I'm going to abstain from a certain food. Best, best way we see this in scripture is in Daniel 1 where Daniel decides that he's only going to eat vegetables and drink water for 10 days. Now, you can talk about that sounds like hell, just being honest. <laughs> like, that's terrible. Um, but if that's what you feel called to do, then praise God. Um, and then there's one that we've kind of seen become popular over the past decade, and that's called a soul fast. And uh, something that just God's laying on my heart right now, a lot of our anxiousness in our culture comes from social media. A lot of the panic attacks that you wrestle with comes from your inability to unplug. And so if that's you, I'm gonna encourage you to do a, a soul fast. And a soul fast is for you to unplug from social media for 30 days, for you to unplug from Netflix maybe, to unplug from certain apps or maybe even video games. And the point is, in these moments where maybe we might eat, or in these moments where we might press next episode on Netflix, it's in these moments where we discipline ourselves to find more time to pray, to pray and fast, pray and fast. And so um, I wanna encourage you to step out in faith in one of those. There's gonna be times as you're doing it where you'll probably like totally forget your fasting. Like, you see a brownie, you just shove it in your mouth, and then, like, instantly, it's like, the guilt of the Lord, oh, I'm so messed up. You know, it's like, I'm telling you, it's so true. It's so true. And I, I need you to hear this. This is Romans 8. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Like, you shoving a brownie in your mouth, and you're supposed to be fasting. Like, God's not in heaven, like, I told you so. Like, it's not his heart. It's not his heart. So if you mess up, Get back on, like just start over. And uh, what's gonna happen is we begin to do this in communities. You're gonna start to see change in your heart. You're gonna start to see growth in your own life. And so what is prayer? Prayer is simply having a conversation with God. What is fasting? Fasting is denying ourselves physically so that we can go deeper spiritually. And so number three, uh, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? I'm gonna give you just a little bit of, of why we're doing this. Next week, we're gonna open the word of God in greater detail and really just kind of talk about why we're praying and why we're fasting. But here's just the two, two things that we'll talk about next week. Number one is we're doing it to draw near to God. We're doing it to draw near to God. Over 30 days, what we're doing is we're saying, God, here's my heart. Would you bring it in alignment with yours? We're saying, God, if I need a new heart, give me a new heart. Give me new eyes. Give me new passion. Give me new vision. Give me new fire. 
But over 30 days, we're crying out to God saying, God, I want to become like you. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be used by you. I want you to do something with my life so that when I look back, I got no regrets. You know, one of the hardest parts of ministry oftentimes is sitting around in a hospital room as you're watching someone take their last breath. Haven't been in ministry long, but I've experienced a few of those moments And here's how that conversation typically goes. I'll ask them, hey, do you have any regrets? The reason I ask that is I just want to give them a moment to confess. Maybe there's something in their past that they've been holding on that I don't want them to carry to the other side. It's like, I'm just giving a moment. But but here's how the conversation goes. Almost every time they'll say, I regret that I didn't trust God more. I regret that I didn't go farther. I regret that I didn't go deeper. I've never had a conversation with someone as they come to the end go, uh, I'm glad I didn't trust God more. I'm glad I didn't pray more. I'm glad I didn't uh, allow myself to become more disciplined in, in the Lord. And, and so, you know, God is inviting us into this, right? So he's inviting us in to become more like him. Go ahead and get the band to come back up. The second thing that we're doing is we are asking God to use us to bring people who are far from God to him, to him. I want to just change your perspective in a moment. When you see the empty chairs in this room, do you see an empty chair as in it's another spot where you could have sat? Or when you look at that empty chair, do you see a space for a person in your life that's far from God that you need to invite? If we can just shift our vision just a little bit, the kingdom of God begins to open in fresh ways. And so next week we'll talk about, but why are we fasting? Well, we're fasting because we want to draw near to God. And then the second is we want to see people who are far from God come to God. Can I get amen on that? We want to see people who are far from God come to God. So let me just walk you through these packets and then um, I'll extend just a moment of of invitation, and I just want to pray for those. So if you were to open your packet, some of you who are type A, you've already opened your packet, studied your packet, memorized your packet, and so this will be like old news to you. But if you were to open your packet, you're going to see, I mean, it's it's really self-explanatory. It says start here, okay, start here. Here is is just what you got to do this week. This is your responsibility this week, and and I'm going to say this. Uh, total freedom, almost fell again. Total freedom is you have the ability to not participate in this. If you don't want to participate, that's on you. That doesn't mean you're less spiritual than us. That doesn't mean that next week, like, we're going to put your chair in the back. Like, like if, if you don't feel ready to do this, you don't have to do this. But I do want you to know that in this community, we want everyone to participate in Awaken, but we want it to be in a way that's healthy for you spiritually. Anytime something is healthy, it always grows, right? Come on, that's science. God created science. Let's don't run from it. Anytime someone is healthy or anytime something healthy, it grows. So we want you to go at a pace that's healthy for you. But we also want you to go at a pace that is where you are. Maybe this is the first time you do Awaken, and maybe you only do one fast for one day. And I want you to know, I know this sounds so preachy, but man, that is God-honoring And it's a step of faith, and God gets glory for it, okay? 
So the first step is choose your fast. We talked through those. If you're not a big reader like me, if you'll notice right there, it says you can find it on pages 45 through 49 right here in your yellow book. And, and it'll literally, it's a short read. It'll explain just in the greater detail some of the fasts that we discuss. Second thing is prepare your heart. Like, it is so easy to, to, for Sunday to show up next week and then for us to go, oh, yeah, I forgot we're doing Awaken. I, I, I mean, I'm just being honest. I, it's, it's happened to me before. Like, something's going on at church, and then you're like, yes, I'm in. And then, like, the Titans game comes on, and then a new Netflix documentary. Like, I don't know why our culture's, like, really gone to the dark side of, like, criminal documentaries, but we're, like, we're like living there. There's, like, a new criminal documentaries come on. So, like, and then next thing you know, you show up at Sunday, and you're like, yeah, I'm ready to worship. And then they start talking about awakening. You're like, oh, man, I, I don't forgot. We got to prepare our hearts. So find some space this week. Don't forget, choose your fast, prepare your hearts. And then here's the thing I really want just to encourage you on. You can do this right here on the back. If you notice right here in the middle, it says me. I'm gonna put it in my prayer journal, but I'm gonna draw a circle and put me, put my name in it. And then I want you to start thinking about people in your life that you need to be praying for. I don't want you to hear me say, don't pray for people who are Christians. That's not what I'm communicating. You can pray for those people. I encourage you to pray for them. There'll be some people on my list who are Christians. What I am gonna discourage is for you to create 12 people, or one, two, I don't know how many that, I'm counting, I'm counting, sit down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, seven, eight people, eight people. You're like, oh, he can count. Now, um, don't let all eight people be people who know Jesus. I, I seriously want us, there's, I want something to break off us in the community. I want us to see that prayer changes the spiritual atmosphere of the human heart. Put someone on your list that doesn't know Jesus. And for 30 days, I want you to cry out to God. God, increase the population of heaven. Get their name in the book of life. Use me, show me how. Give me the, give me the divine strategy on, on how to reach them. Like, let's cry out to God for these people. You know, I was thinking about who's going to be on my list and, you know, just two people in, in my community. I, I think about one sitting in jail right now, and I called his mom, mom growing up. And his brothers were my brothers, and he's sitting in jail because he, he's addicted to meth. And he just got busted for selling. He's going to be there for a while. And he's going to be on my list, and I'm, I'm crying out to God, and I'm going, God, even in jail, he can still be reached. I got another buddy who's in and out of homelessness, same thing, drug addiction. And within that friend group, just over the past few years, it seems like almost every other month, we're burying one of our friends from an overdose. Like there's a drug epidemic going on right now in our culture. If you don't know about it, it's time to open our eyes and wake our hearts to it. But we've gotta pray for people who are far from God. We gotta pray that, you know, I'm I'm praying, God, would you take him and, and make him from a dope dealer to a hope dealer? And I know that sounds kind of funny, but I'm literally praying that. I'm going, God, would you take this person who is literally selling death to the community and in and, and, and just one moment, would you make him someone that's sharing Jesus everywhere he goes? Why are you praying that, Chris? Because God can do it. Because God can do it. And then the last thing, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna walk through the whole packet because I, I do want you to have some kind of responsibility on that, but just set your heart on God each day, praying fast for the people on your list. And then the third thing, let's get creative to make life better for the people on our prayer list. Let's get creative. 
Whether that's doing the dishes, maybe you're praying for your spouse, maybe it's vacuuming, maybe it's an extra back massage, maybe it's a foot massage, I don't know. But doing something where you're serving the person you love, serving the people that you pray. And here's my last thought. If everybody wants to go ahead and stand with me. Uh, my, my last thought this morning, um, it's honestly a thought that I, I haven't been able to escape all week. I went way over, so I do apologize about that. <clears throat> I'll get better next week. One day we're gonna be in heaven. I've been thinking about that all week. Been thinking about why, what's the bigness in this? Like, is it just another church thing? And so I've just been wrestling with that all week. And God's just given me this thought about us sitting around in heaven. God's gonna be there. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be amazing. And, and then for us to begin to have conversations with, uh, with people we read about in the Bible. See David, see Moses, Peter, Paul, Andrew. You, you, you know, you start to meet these people in, in the Bible, Solomon, some of the ladies like Mary. And something that's just been on my heart all week is, imagine meeting with them and, and them asking us, people that were alive in 2020, and them asking us, going, hey, tell us all the things that God did in your day. Tell us about all the things that God used you for. And it hit me, it hit me, that for such a long time, the American church, all we've did is gather on Sunday and reflect on the things that they've done in the way that God has used them. believe that God wants to breathe life into what's going on here. You go, oh, that sounds like we're dead. No, I'm not saying we're dead. I'm just saying God wants to breathe new life. We can't live off of old things. We can't live off of old memories. God says, I want to do a new thing. Maybe you've been married for 20 plus years. Do you believe that God can do a new thing? 21 year, it can be the best year of your marriage. Do you believe it? Every Christmas, it sucks. Every Thanksgiving, it sucks because your family is so broken. Do you believe that through prayer and fasting that God can do a mighty work so that Christmas and Thanksgiving is never the same? Do you believe that your kid that's running away from God, that when you get on your knees and you pray and you fast and you cry to the Lord, that in a moment that God can snatch his heart back? I said the best is yet to come. Because that's who God is. That's who God is. The best is yet to come. I see Sundays in the future well house where you're coming in and we're not baptizing one or two people, we're baptizing 20 or 30. I see Sundays coming up in Wellhouse's future where when you guys come, you better get here early. I, I've been a part of this church for a year and a half. Y'all are late in strollers. Well, you gotta get here early or you might not get a seat. I see in Wellhouse's future, God doing such a mighty work because of what we did in these 30 days. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're bought in on this, if you're bought in on this and you say, I wanna be a part of the bigness of this invitation, 
I want God to use me. Listen, I don't care if you're the youngest in the room or if you're in the oldest in this room. God used people who were like Timothy, super young, and he used people who were in their, like their 80s and 90s. And the greatest works that he did in the Bible were with people who were in their 80s and 90s. I don't care what age you are. God wants to do a new thing in your life today. And if that's you this morning, just raise your hand. I want to pray over you. If you come this morning, you go, God, I want to be used. God, I want to be used. God, I want to be used. Just lift your hand right now. I want to pray over this house. God, thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness, God. Hands are raised, God. And just these hands being raised, it's a declaration that we believe that you're a big God and a good God and a faithful God and a God that keeps his promises. And God, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, would we jump into these next 30 days with an expectation that you're going to move in such a way that the people around us go, what is going on? And then we can respond, it's the hand of God. It's the hand of God. Lord, you're amazing and you're winning hearts. God, would you keep winning hearts in this community, Lord? Would we just come to you with open hands and feet that are ready to go? And would you keep just using us, Lord? Keep using us, God. I, I got this image here right now. Think about a little kid, God, that goes out and you give him a chalk, a piece of chalk. And then that, that little kid begins to use that chalk on the sidewalk. And they begin to draw. And as they're drawing, that chalk gets thinner and thinner to the point that that kid can no longer use it. God, I pray that that would be us. That we would be the chalk in your hand that you would use us and draw such a, a majestic, powerful picture, God, so that this community, that this city, our family, our coworkers would come to know you to the point, God, that at the end of our lives that we can no longer say we could have gave more to the point that we're used up. God, use us up, God, use us up. Make something beautiful out of this imperfect community who serves and worships the perfect God. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we give thanks and we give just our awe. We love you, Jesus. Christ, then we pray. Amen. If you need prayers or you want to respond to the gospel this morning, we'll have a team back by the respond banner. I'll be back there as well. That place is not a place where of condemnation. It's not a space where you got to have your life together. If you need prayers for something that you consider small or you need prayers for something that you consider big, both of those are equally powerful in God's eyes. And so if you need prayers, come back there this morning. Let's worship.